Hey everyone, welcome to the Voices in Japan podcast. On today's show, we talk about nationality, citizenship, and identity issues in Japan. Unlike the US and the UK and some other countries, Japanese nationals cannot have more than one citizenship. So, if you're a foreigner and you want to get Japanese citizenship, you'd have to give up your home passport. However, the law is not strictly enforced, so actually, there are a lot of Japanese citizens who are foreigners that have also kept their previous citizenships. Among other topics, we also talk about being accepted in Japan as foreigners and the difficulties of building relationships with Japanese people. Especially Japanese men, you know, we found it actually pretty hard to build strong friendships with Japanese men. Well, let's get on with the show. Enjoy! Hello, everyone. Welcome to Voices in Japan with、uh, Ben, your host, and your co host, Burke. Hello, Burke. Hey, how's it going? Good, you? What have you, you been up to? Been up to anything interesting these days?、Uh, well, a lot of just work and stuff like that. But, you know, it's kind of interesting because、uh, we have、uh, people that come and visit、uh, from overseas, obviously, for work. And, And then also,、uh, I have some friends that are going to come visit,、uh, you know, in August for <clears throat> summer break and just realizing how difficult it is to get hotels. Do you ever、uh, reserve hotels for people in Sapporo? Or? No, I haven't done that actually. Every time someone comes to visit, I just tell them to do it themselves. <laughs> really just doing it. <laughs> I send them links to recommendations. <laughs> so, right, sort out. <laughs> Well, actually, I kind of do that too. I mean, they check. I don't make the reservations for them, but they check and they look into things, or I give them recommendations and then they look into things. But I'm just realizing it's so, like, man, it's impossible right now, for example, to get any hotel rooms for August,、uh, for, or, or the hotel rooms I've been finding, like the rooms are like, you know, over 200 bucks a night or 300 or $400 a night. In Sapporo or even in Chitose, and just kind of shows like how big and booming like t- tourism and everything is getting. So, who's,、uh, who's coming?、Uh, I've got some friends、uh, coming from the US in August, and then also we have just、uh, people for business coming all the time from like Europe,、uh, both this month and next month. We've got a lot of people coming. And,、uh, yeah, you know, we kind of find hotels for them and then like,、uh, let them know how much it is. And they're pro- you know, and then we've got to explain, oh, it's like peak season right now. Cause otherwise they're just going to think like Japan is a really expensive market or something. But, yeah. I mean, it's, it's kind of pretty late to start looking for hotels now, isn't it? Oh, it totally is, especially for peak season. And that's I mean, it's why. July I, now.、So. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's why I kind of like got mad at him.、Oh, I didn't get mad at him, but I was kind of like, dude, what's up? But he kind of blamed it on his wife. So. <laughs> That's how it goes. Yeah. So just been up to that. How about you? You been up to anything?、Uh, yeah.、Um, recently, there's a, this guy came into town. I think I told you before, this Swedish guy came up to the dojo. Yeah. Yeah.、Um, real tough dude. He's,、um, 
European champion, not European champion, European bronze medalist yeah, at the, awesome. the last IBJJF uh, blue belt level. Yeah, yeah, real good, real sweet guy, real nice guy. And he just like popped into the dojo, wanted to, kind of wanted to join up because he's here for like a few months. He's like a PhD student in a, at the Hokkaido University. And yeah, he just went to train because he's like, you know, really into training, but he didn't want to pay the, you know, membership fee to sign on because he's only going to be around for like a couple of months. Okay. So yeah, like last, uh, last weekend, we all got together, just a few of us went down to the local gym and then just, uh, just rolled and it was good because I invite, invite some of the guys from the dojo to come down, some of the Japanese guys. And yeah, it was good, man. There's like eight, eight of us there or something. Yeah. That's the yeah. picture you put up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On the, yeah, on the, what I post at Twitter and Facebook, I think. Facebook, yeah. 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 So check it out, guys, if you have time. Yeah. The good rolling night, good rolling session. So yeah, a lot of, a lot of sweats and learn some new techniques and stuff. And hopefully we're going to try and do it almost like once a week, maybe. So yeah, if you have time back, obviously, you know, come on down. Time, man. That's what I need more of. But yeah, so that's what's really cool about, uh, Jiu-jitsu. I don't know if other martial arts are really, I'm sure they are, but it's just, you always have people just kind of linking up and meeting up with each other. Uh, no matter where you go, if, you know, you're just looking for a, a place to train and a dojo or something, uh, you, whether you're on vacation or just somewhere temporarily. I don't know if other martial arts are really like that. I'm sure they kind of are, but jujitsu is definitely like that. And everyone is always really cool. So yeah, yeah. Just dropping in. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, so on today's episode, we are going to be talking about Japan's dual nationality issues. Yeah. So recently, there's uh, there's been some news, especially with a very famous tennis player Naomi Osaka. So she, uh, at the moment, she represents Japan, right? Yeah. Um, but it's coming up soon where she has to decide by her 22nd birthday whether to be Japanese or American because Japanese law doesn't allow you to have dual nationality beyond the age of 22 years old. Right. So she was born in Japan, right, to a Haitian father and Japanese mother. And then I think at the age of three, if I remember correctly, she moved to the U.S., and she basically grew up in the U.S., but uh, apparently the U.S. Uh, tennis circuit did not really start to support her until she was maybe 16 or something after she had started to really be- become a very skilled player and uh, kind of get some recognition, whereas Japanese media uh, was always in support of her. So her father uh, kind of decided from a young age that she was going to represent Japan, and she's been representing Japan all the way up through this point. But it... Like if she decides to represent Japan, that means by Japanese law she has to give up her American citizenship. Yeah, right, by Japanese law. Yeah, and just like you said, um, at the age of twenty-two, and her twenty-second birthday is coming up in October, I think middle of October. Uh, so she's gonna have to decide soon. And then with the Olympics coming up next year, uh, everybody. Uh, is really kind of hoping that she will continue to represent Japan. 
But uh, I think, did you say like that uh, people are kind of expecting her to choose which one? J- Japan, yeah. But she's, she's already pretty much said that she's going to choose Japan. Oh, has she? She's pretty much said that it's not an issue. Oh, really? She's、uh, kind of surprised that like, people keep asking her, like, who are you going to choose? Oh, really? And she's always like, well, isn't it obvious? I'm representing Japan now.、Oh, really? Why would I stop representing Japan? Because、uh, I was reading some different, not from her directly. So that's coming from her directly. But I thought a lot of people were thinking like she would just, of course,、uh, for, citizen, for citizenship, uh, choose uh, American, her American citizenship. So that means because she, she doesn't want to give up her American citizenship. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, this is coming up、uh, again just a, now, just a few months away. And、uh, yeah, so I didn't know that she had actually has been saying that she's going to choose Japanese citizenship. So that's for everyone, right? So if you were half, for example, you're like half American, half Japanese, or half British, half Japanese, and you wanted to be Japanese, you would have to give up your. Other citizenships so at a British citizenship. So, how, how would that work? Like, would you give your passport to the Japanese government or something? Yeah, I don't remember exactly. This is kind of a little bit、uh, relevant to me,、uh, number one, because we have a daughter now and she has dual citizenship. So, she'll have to make a decision that someday. And、uh, I kind of went through something similar.、Um, but there are apparently, I think, two ways you can do one is that you、uh, just turn in paperwork. That says,、uh, that you are choosing Japanese citizenship. But the Japanese government doesn't actually,、uh, go and check if you've renounced the other citizenship. It、yeah, only enforce it. No. So it's kind of actually considered a loophole in the whole system because as long as you turn in the paperwork saying that you're a Japanese citizen, then they consider you, they consider that the same as that you've already re- renounced your other citizenship. Even though you haven't really. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And just like you said, this comes up for everyone when they're、uh, coming to the age of 22. And,、uh, but apparently also, I mean, maybe you found out some of this when you were looking it up, but apparently the Minister of Justice or the Justice Ministry has never actually enforced this law. So it's more an academic law than anything.、Uh, they've never actually forced anyone to choose. They've just sent out、uh, notices that this choice、uh, should be made by the time they're 20, 22. And、uh, they have, apparently, they have the power to go and tell somebody that they need to choose one citizenship or the other. And if the person does not act within a month, then they, it's considered that they chose Japanese citizenship. But, As it turns out, the Justice Ministry has never actually taken that step to warn anyone. All they do is they send notification that this choice comes up at the age of 22. So they don't need proof that they've actually taken the steps to do that, like to give up their <clears throat> other nationality. No, no. That's pretty cool. Yeah, so, well, that's so you can I- be. Dual nationality. Yeah, well, apparently. Just don't tell anyone. Yeah, well, there was an article about this in the uh, uh, Japan Times last year when Naomi Osaka was actually starting to become very big and famous. 
after she won, uh, I guess it was Australian or one of the big, uh, yeah, tournaments. when she became world number one, I think. Yeah. Last year. So from that time, obviously it's, it's brought this up in the news even more. I mean, it comes up every now and then, like there was a Japanese, uh, lawmaker, uh, the head of the Democratic Party that, who was a dual citizen, Taiwanese and Japanese. And, uh, that was, uh, another recent time when it came up, but, this article uh, in the Japan Times last year was saying that something like the Justice Ministry knows of like 890,000 people or something, uh, people in Japan who are dual citizens and are either in a position where they should be choosing or they should have chosen. And the uh, ministry thinks that they have chosen Japanese. And these are only people that are reporting that they had dual citizenship. So there might be even more than that. So they're almost turning a blind eye. Exactly. Do you know anyone that has gone through the process or is going through the process? To renounce their citizenship? Yeah. It's kind of interesting. I do know somebody who had uh, dual citizenship. And uh, when they were in Japan on a visa, uh, one of the visa types is child of a Japanese national. And uh, this person was a teacher first, and then they switched to this uh, child of a Japanese national because one of their parents was Japanese, apparently. And uh, when they went to apply for that visa, because that visa allows you basically to work any job, it's almost like permanent residency. But anyways, when they were applying for it, the uh, Immigration Bureau told them that, hey, you still have your dual citizenship from when you were very young. And uh, the person didn't even know that they still had it. And uh, the Immigration Bureau told them that, uh, hey, you're supposed to choose one or the other. And the person was like, okay. But they never did anything. And then uh, they went and checked again a few years later to see if their citizenship was still recorded at that parent's uh, local ward office. And it was still there. So even in that person's case, uh, they were told at one point, hey, you're supposed to choose. But nothing ever happened to have it enforced. What do you think would be the benefits of choosing Japanese nationality over not having it? Like if you had the choice, like, cause you could just be a permanent resident and still have similar rights, I guess, as a Japanese national. Uh, yeah. I don't know what the benefits are between yeah. having permanent residency or being a, you know, having a that national yeah, citizenship. I'm sure there are just, uh, things in society that, Society will give you probably better options uh, if you are a citizen. You'll you can vote. You can yeah, vote, you'll right? you be recognized different. I think you can vote. Can permanent residents vote? No, they you can't. Can. Yeah. yeah. So that's probably the biggest one, but I don't really know how many people want to vote anyways. <laughs> yeah. I mean, voting is important, but man, I hate the election cycles in Japan because there's just those loud cars driving around. And yeah, yeah. It just kind of turns me well, off. Well, that should be, time, I mean, in some countries it's illegal to you know go out and just shout random stuff out on a speakerphone right it's yeah like it's noise, noise, noise violation pollution. yeah yeah but so. in japan it's like it's completely kosher yeah i mean the thing about this whole thing with naomi osaka obviously is that in her case like she's very much adored and appreciated by Japanese nationals right now because she's representing Japanese, but and that's only because she's world number one at tennis. Yeah, right. Well, world number two now. You know, just because she's so good at tennis. But if she wasn't so good, no one would care. Yeah, because half people in Japan uh, face a lot of trouble sometimes because of the fact that they're not full Japanese. I'm sure you've heard some stories or yeah. I mean, well, there's like there's this. even people who are not Japanese, like 
no Japanese blood, but they're born in Japan, lived their whole life in Japan, speak fluent Japanese, you know, they're, they're ingrained into the culture. So in a lot of people's eyes, they would be considered Japanese, but they don't have the blood and they don't look Japanese. So there's some people that don't consider them Japanese. So there's that whole kind of situation as well, which is going on. Whereas like if you're born in England, like if you're born there, you're you're British. Yeah, same with the US, yeah. Yeah, so Japan is one of the maybe other Asian Asian countries are quite similar I think to to Japan. So this one kid, he is um Iranian Bolivian descent, born in Japan, born and raised, and he is uh, he's 16 years old, but he's been threatened with a uh, deportation back to Iran. He's 16. He's 16 years old. Why is he getting threatened for <laughs> deportation? Because he is considered a foreigner overstaying his visa because he never got a visa. Oh, really? When he was born. Oh, but and he's not a uh and he's not a citizen. Right. Okay. So, it says the government of Japan considers him a foreigner overstaying his visa and they could deport him to Iran at any time. Okay, so this is both because both of his parents are non-Japanese, even though he was born in the country, he does not become a citizen by birthright. Exactly. Yeah. Japan is all he knows. I'm sure he's fluent in Japanese, he's grown up here. Exactly, yeah. He doesn't speak Iranian or Bolivian, so he only speaks Japanese, and he only knows Japanese ways, Japanese customs. So there's obviously a big case of letting him stay in Japan. Yeah, there was uh, something similar. The Japan Times, again, also did like a feature article about a lot of these half-people in Japan who, like you said, were either born here or have grown up here from a very early age. And it's pretty funny to, or not funny, but it's pretty interesting to read some of their stories because like they'll show up for to do some kind of construction job or something at someone's house and uh, they'll get like refused to even enter the house or like, why are you here? Uh, are you Japanese? Are you really from this <coughs> company that we've hired to do something? Or people will go in for interviews and they'll be like, oh, we can't hire you because, uh, you're not Japanese. And they're like, what are you talking about? I, that's all I know. I've just grown up here. And they're like, oh, sorry. Uh, we wouldn't be able to hire you for this job. Like people would be surprised that we're hiring a foreigner. And they're like, I'm not a foreigner. Uh, you know, I grew up in Japan. I'm Japanese and stuff. So it's a lot of it's a pretty big identity crisis for me. I'm 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 half, but I grew up overseas. So I mean, overseas, I'm a lot of people look at me like Japanese, but being here, a lot of people look at me as just being American. You know, I mean, sometimes I try to play both cultures or be in both cultures, but at the end of the day, I really consider myself American much more than I consider myself Japanese. But for these other people that have grown up here. I mean, that's all they know. Like, how are you going to tell them that that's not what they are? And they describe it as like, you know, somebody is like trying to cut them open, take out like half of their inside and then close them back up and then tell them this is who you are, you know? And it's like, how are you going to take like half of who I am away from me just like that? Do you feel like you get treated differently in your working situations or your daily life? In Japan? Just, yeah, even like because you're half Japanese. Do they treat you as an outsider or do they treat you as being non-Japanese? Probably the most common thing that happens is people say, 
you really seem Japanese about certain things that'll happen, you know, or certain ways that I think or certain things that I'll say, they'll, they'll say something like, oh, you you really seem Japanese, you know. Do they say like, you use chopsticks really well? <laughs> <laughs> I get that from a lot from people who just have no idea that I'm half Japanese, yeah. <laughs> I, I get it all the time. And I'm yeah. like, look, I'm Chinese. <laughs> yeah. My family's Chinese. You know, we taught you guys how to use chopsticks. <laughs> you shouldn't even say that to me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's a bit, yeah, I guess it's a little bit rude, <laughs> I find, when they say, oh, you use chopsticks so well. And I wanted, I, and I say to them, yeah, it's because I'm Chinese. And then they kind of, <laughs> They kind of realized that what they said was a bit inconsiderate. But I think they were just trying to be polite. They're trying to be nice. But for someone like you, do they, do you ever get like mistaken for being Japanese or do you get accepted more uh, because you're not like Western? You don't look Western, Western? I feel like I get a little bit more accepted because I'm not Caucasian. I think I get away with looking Japanese. In some cases, like some people have thought I was Japanese until they spoke to me, especially like when we when I went to the jujitsu dojo for the first time, half of the people thought I was Japanese when I went in there by myself. And then it wasn't until they spoke to me or they heard my name that, oh, yeah, oh, you're not Japanese. But I feel like even some of my Japanese friends said that they actually felt more comfortable being around me compared to Caucasians just because of my yeah my skin color my appearance um and i guess they feel like there's a bit more of a connection because the cultures are similar more similar than western cultures yeah and some people might not understand that if they've never been to japan before but uh, for japanese people being around like caucasians i mean in big city it might not be as much but uh people don't realize like how uncomfortable or nervous it can make some japanese people uh, feel being around like a very western caucasian looking person because it's like all they've been around their whole life is just very very japanese looking person and then to be next to somebody like this it's actually a pretty strange experience for them yeah because there's not that many foreigners in japan like comparatively right percentage wise yeah, yeah like when you compare the foreigners like in england like you go to london and it's foreigners everywhere you'll be surprised to see how many different kind of skin colors there are in london whereas if you're in any kind of city in japan probably 98 percent of the population will be of the people you'll see will be japanese yeah i mean it's a very very homogenous culture it's funny that you brought that up about the dojo because uh a lot of the people at the dojo like don't even know i'm half japanese or something I think I'm looking less and less Japanese the older I get because I look more and more like my dad. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's like sometimes people will think right away like I'm Japanese or sometimes people will, like, be really surprised when I, they find out I'm Japanese. So, like, some guys at the dojo, like, even now, I've known them for, like, 10 years. They don't, and they find out they're very surprised. But then there's, like, this one guy at the dojo who's always, like, why do you speak such good English? <laughs> He's always like telling other people like his English is so good. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I've told you like five times I grew up in the U.S. Man, like, you know, so. I've I've had that before. So when I first came to Japan, I met uh, one of my one of our mutual friends. We went out to dinner, and she brought her husband along, and then she said. Ben has really good English because <laughs> he thought I was Japanese. But that kind of means that my English 
is not that good. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, because yeah, they're kind of like, wow, it's really it's really good, but it's not, na- it's not it's native not level. Yeah, it's not native level. Yeah. <laughs> so I was a bit insulted by that. Another thing is making Japanese friends. Do you find it hard making friends with Japanese people? Because I've noticed I find it quite hard. But every time I hang out with foreigners, I never see many Japanese people there as well. Maybe there's usually the girlfriends, but there's never like a real friend like hanging out all the time. Do you、yeah. know what I mean? Well, I think it's kind of like, I mean, this happens in the US a lot too. Like you'll have Chinatown or Koreatown or Japanese town,、uh, because, or even like, you know, Little Italy and stuff. Uh, when people immigrate, they tend to like, kind of like form their own community,、uh, the people that they're most familiar with. And I think that's kind of what happens a little bit、uh, with the foreign community in Japan. And for example, up here in Sapporo, I think we're all kind of like have our foreign community that we hang out with a lot. And un- unless a Japanese person can jump into that and kind of keep up with what's going on, then it's, you know, it's pr- very difficult for the Japanese person to stay included in the group. So just like you're saying, A lot of these、uh, foreign crowds that we go to, there's not always a lot of Japanese people、uh, at the event or whatever. Yeah. And also, I think our lifestyles are quite different. But, I mean, for you, example, Burke, do you have many Japanese friends, close Japanese friends? Yeah. So, going back to answer your question, it's always been fairly easy to meet Japanese women. Uh, but Japanese men,、uh, it's been more difficult、uh, to kind of click with guys pretty well.、Uh, I think some of that has to do with, like, just like you said, lifestyle or like interest. I mean, it's like snowboarders or, or play a common sport or something, or they like drinking. It's easy to meet people like that. But I think Japanese guys in general, they just have a very different personality than Westerners. So it's, it's kind of difficult for, to click with people. So to answer your question, no, I haven't.、Uh, Had too many,、uh, close Japanese friends that are guys. I have had a lot, but I would say the Japanese guys that I'm closest with have always been like my cousins and stuff, but that's like family. So that's completely different. Yeah. You, you actually have some, a few Japanese friends that you're pretty, uh, close with, it seems like. And then it seems like you're always meeting new people and hanging out with them a lot pretty regularly. Gotcha, I don't know.、Dojo. I wouldn't say I was close though. <clears throat> like there's, I probably have since I've been in Japan. 12 years, I've probably had three, maybe three actually male Japanese friends that I could call them friends. Only three of them. And two of them don't live in Japan anymore. So I've only、uh, got one. <laughs> well, all the friends that I've had, what they've had in common is that they've all lived abroad. Right. So they were very kind of westernized in their thinking. They didn't conform to like, Japanese society, and they were almost considered like outsiders. Like every time I took my Japanese friends, the guys out with me, and they would meet, say, my Japanese female friends. And I would say, Oh, you know, what do you think of that guy? He's really cool, right? And I try to like introduce them, you know, even try to set them up sometimes because if they were single, or whatever. And the girls would always like, Nah, that guy's weird. Yeah, that、really. guy's really weird. I'm like, what do, you, what do you mean he's weird? He's like, he's cool. And they were like, no, he, he wouldn't fit into society. Like, they, they never had normal jobs. Like,、yeah. they weren't like salary men.、Right. You know, they were all, one of them was,、um, one of them was a DJ. So he worked nights and had, had a different lifestyle. Another one was like self employed. So he just like did his own like contract work, had his own hours. None of them had like a 
proper job. They all kind of like work for themselves, which in Japanese society is kind of looked down upon in by some people, especially like women who are looking for prospective husbands. I think. Yeah, because they probably feel like you know, could they easily introduce this person to the people that they know and stuff? And just like you said, if they're not like you know, if they're one of those nails that stick out, as they say, then it's pretty difficult for them to fit in. But on that note, what is the most immersed experience、uh, that you've ever had? Can you think of that? Immersed experience. You yeah, mean like being in a group of Japanese <clears throat> people and feeling like I'm a real part of the group, kind of thing. Yeah, or even like because、uh, I was kind of thinking about this、uh, a little bit before we started recording. There was this one time、uh, when I was working at Konami, and I went to this、uh, wedding for one of the、uh, employees. Actually, it was two employees of the company getting married, and、uh, I was at this wedding. It was like at a、uh, table tennis cafe downtown. And、uh, it was Konami, so it was like a bunch, a lot of otaku, and they were kind of like there were people wearing cosplay, like men dressed up as maids and stuff, <laughs> or like you know men in their fifties dressed up as like、uh, video game characters and stuff. So it's pretty interesting, pretty funny. But、uh, I'm sitting there and, and I look around and I'm like, there are no other foreigners here, and we're we're just sitting there kind of talking about work. And it's you know it's all in Japanese obviously, and、uh, you know some usually when you go out with people, there's still something like oh how do you feel about this as a foreigner? What does the foreigner think? They're still treating you as a foreigner in the group, right? You're like the center of attention, and you don't really feel like you're a part of the group in a way. Yeah, or, or else you're just kind of sitting as everyone else is kind of interacting. But in this situation, yeah, it was like this wedding. There was like these people walking around in cosplay. And like everything was Japanese, there was no other foreigners there, and I was just like, man, this is like a, I'm in a hundred percent Japan right now. Like there is nothing about the situation where I'm in Japan as a foreigner, and it kind of worried me a little bit. I was like, I've gone full Japanese, man. Like, is this good? Is this not good? Like, how do I get back to kind of like being a foreigner in Japan? It made me, to be honest, it made me a little bit uncomfortable because the other companies that I've worked at. Uh, there have been、uh, other foreigners, like in the group or in the situation, you know. So, you know, everyone's kind of still looking at us, at us as the foreigners in the situation. But this time, it was like kind of had crossed that line all the way. Did Did you like it? I mean, it was kind of interesting. But to be honest, I was kind of like, man, how do I get back? You know? <laughs> like,、uh, how do I,、uh, you know, you want to be the center of attention again? Well. <laughs> Course, man. Oh, you use chopsticks so well. <laughs> yeah, exactly.、Uh, yeah, so it wasn't about like wanting to be the center of attention or anything. It was just like、uh, it kind of made me feel like you know, is it gonna just continue like? That? And it actually did kind of continue like that because for a while in that office, I was the only foreigner and stuff. So, what's the most immersed experience、uh, you think you've ever had in Japan? Yeah, I've I've had one. I used to go to this bar a lot. It was on、like、my local bar, where in my by my first apartment, and I used to go there and you know hang out, play poker. It was like the first place where I kind of learned my Japanese because no one really spoke English there,、mm-hmm. and it was all like the locals, so Japanese locals. The manager could speak English, and some of the staff spoke a little bit of English, but mostly the communication was in Japanese. And they would have like an annual ski trip. It was like a staff ski trip and local local customers. Yeah, one year they just invited me to come along. I felt 
quite honored to be invited you know because it was always like close people only and i was the only foreigner there as well they knew that i like snowboarding and every year they would just go to this onsen there'll be like 30 yeah about 30 people or so and they would just rent out the whole floor of like this onsen this old school onsen place and then they would just like booze gamble and snowboard for like two days and it was also awesome, man because yeah i felt like i was completely immersed at that point because no one would be like kind of looking after me trying to speak to me in english they'd all just like treat me just like everyone else yeah so i'd go snowboarding <clears throat> with them um and they were all like good snowboarders too so it wasn't like they were like looking out for me or anything um and then in the evening we just go drinking sit in the onsen would gamble and we all like doing the same thing so it didn't feel like that i was kind of intruding or anything you know and they wouldn't there wouldn't be anyone pampering me or anything like that so they just kind of left me alone and i just like walk around and do what i wanted and yeah they just spoke to me like i was just like one of them yeah and it, it felt really cool actually that was my first yeah probably most immersive situation i've been in japan i would say probably because i was the only foreigner there i think that makes a big difference yeah that sounds pretty cool but like if 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 that was like a countryside city or something or an island with those people and uh like you knew that this was going to continue for like the next five years <laughs> would i still like it <laughs> yeah would you feel like you were comfortable enough to stick around or yeah i don't know i think if it was for one year i think it would have been all right yeah. just because i think my japanese would have got really good yeah but i i still wanted having another foreigner to talk to i guess you yeah. know to to build that relationship because especially with with Japanese people, it's really hard to break down those barriers to become really close. It's quite common that Japanese people, their best friends are like from elementary school. And after that, like in maybe high junior high, high school, they can be really good friends. But it seems after that, they can never really become that close. Like even co-workers that have known each other for years. Yeah you could still never know what they're really thinking about you. Yeah. Like I've heard of people that they've known their coworkers for like 20 years, but they still don't know if they really, if their coworker actually likes them or not. Right. They're just being polite the whole time. They've never really seen them let their guard down. Probably never seen them vulnerable or talk about some like real deep, not deep secrets or anything, but deep thoughts about things. Right. And maybe, maybe that is what alcohol is used for because they use that they can use that as an excuse to let their guard down and then they open up with each other but as soon as that evening's over it's like back to normal again it's like right. how it was before yeah like, it's like the relationship hasn't really developed yeah well i think that kind of helps them feel like they can function more easily with each other the whole hone tatemaya like if they have the tatemaya then they can you know, do business much more easily with each other and the whole system itself, society just continues to function and flow uh, a lot better. Do, do you feel in your working situation or even <clears throat> in your daily life, I guess, like do you feel like you've been accepted into your environment or do you feel like you'll always be kind of considered an outsider? Something different. 
I mean, it depends. Like, uh, in, uh, for example, with my wife's family, they just try to do the best job possible of making me feel part of the family. Uh, when I'm with my, you know, cousins and relatives, it just feels like family. Family, obviously. Uh, in work, though, I think, I think, and it might be my own doing as well. But I, I don't feel like I've been 100% accepted as like another Japanese employee. But I really don't want to be 100% accepted as another Japanese employee. So I think I've done things on purposely to try and get that kind of differentiation established and stuff. And you, you don't mind that. I don't mind it because I think uh, I'm accepted as much as I would would want to be. I think they feel like I can understand how Japanese people think, or I can understand the Japanese way. Maybe not everyone, but the people who it's important for them to feel that way. I think they have that opinion about me at this current company and at uh, some of the other companies that I've worked at. So I think uh, to answer your question, not not like a hundred percent acceptance, but uh, to the point that I'm completely satisfied with where it's at, and uh, and I think the my employees are as well. But uh, how about you? A lot of times I'm considered an outsider, but I don't mind feeling like that actually because I have enough friends, like close friends here, that when I see them. Obviously, I'm not an outsider, and it's only probably in work situations where I feel like, yeah, I'm I'm different. But I don't mind that. Yeah, I don't mind that at all. It doesn't like disturb me or anything or make me upset. Yeah, I mean that's a thing. Uh, would you have wanted to grow up in Japan? Would you? Do you ever like think about it and think like, man, I kind of wish I were it was Japanese or I wish I had grown up here? Because for me, there are definitely some things that like. Uh, it would have been really fun to be like a college kid, you know, in Japan. Uh, or uh, it would have been kind of fun to play the sport growing up in Japan. I've thought things like that. But overall, uh, would I have wanted to grow up in Japan if I had that option, if I had had that option? And uh, I think the answer is no. I think I'm kind of happy that I grew up overseas, but I can kind of come here, uh, assimilate to the degree that I'm comfortable with. But uh, at the end of the day, I still have like that whole history uh, overseas that I would probably never give up, you know, to be Japanese. I, I completely agree with you. Yeah, I think it would have been good to have done like maybe a, a study abroad program, you know, when I was a high school student, like live in Japan for like a year as a high school student. I think that would have been good. But yeah, to be raised here, I don't think I, I'm pretty happy with being raised in England. I think being a foreigner in Japan is great yeah. like, because you can get away with a lot more things and there's less kind of responsibilities, I guess, on how to act in social situations. Where Whereas for Japanese people, there's a lot of pressure on how to behave and how to express themselves. Whereas we've been given kind of free reign just because we're foreign. Yeah, we're, we're kind of special out here. You know, like back, back in England, I'm not really special. You know, I'm just like any other dude. But here... I kind of feel quite special. People treat me like I'm special. Yeah, which is kind of cool. I mean, there's the difficulties that come with being a foreigner in Japan, but yeah, there is definitely special treatment. But you know, kind of one thing that maybe makes us feel this way is sometimes like you meet like those people, just like you were saying, Japanese people who have lived overseas, and then they come back and they're living in Japan. And so many of these people that I've met, and maybe we'll be able to get some of them on the podcast, they struggle so much once they get back to Japan because they've kind of 
been exposed to how foreigners can think and the freedom to think a certain way. And once they come back here, they're just kind of like, they never really feel like they can be Japanese again. Yeah, I know some people like that. And then they want to kind of move, like leave the country again, or they, they feel like that they can't live in this country and function in society like they're expected to. On the flip side, though, a lot of people are like, man, I'm so glad that uh, I'm back in Japan now because Japanese food, like, uh, so much better than food overseas. The yeah, and, and so they, uh, they lose all that weight that they usually put on. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> overseas and stuff, so. Shall we do a word of the day? Yeah, that sounds like a good idea. What you got, Bert? You got anything good? I don't have a specific word, but I do have a, a favorite Japanese proverb uh, that I learned uh, a long time ago when I came here. Uh, it's Ichigo Ichie. Ichigo Ichie. I've heard of that. Yeah. So in Japanese, I can't remember exactly what they're called, and I should have looked this up, but they're basically like four kanji character proverbs. And uh, this is one of the uh, very famous ones. Uh, and it basically means, well, it's basically the same as like carpe diem or seize a day or to live in the moment. Uh, Ichigo Ichie. It's really a kind of good thing to uh, talk about with a Japanese girl that you're thinking about getting serious with, because <laughs> it'll it'll flatter them very Ichigo much. Ichie. Like yeah. you mean like when you ask them out to be their boyfriend or something, and she's like, "I'm in an ring," and then you say "Ichigo Ichie." <laughs> Is that what you mean? Yeah. Well, you definitely don't want to bring it up with somebody who you're just like chatting up at the bar. <laughs> So be like, who is this weirdo like telling me like all these serious like you know to seize the day and take? Well, I don't know. Maybe some some it might work in some cases, but uh, but yeah, I mean, it kind of makes them feel like that you feel like this moment is really special because literally the translation is something like only one moment uh, or something like that. So it basically means to like you never know if this moment is going to come again, so you should make the most out of it as much as possible. Just do it. Just do Just it. Just do it. As Nike says. Yeah. <laughs> so what what would be a good situation to use that, like apart from chatting up girls? Ichigo Ichie? Yeah. Uh, I mean, it just means for any type of opportunity in life, not just uh, necessarily for meeting somebody as far as I understand. So uh, work situation, actually, I don't know, probably a little bit strange if you try to use it in a meeting. Like, <laughs> we've got this chance, we got to take care of it right now. I mean, it's just a good kind of model for life. Like, yeah, make yeah. Th make the most of every uh, important situation that comes could, your way. Could you use it in like a team talk, <clears throat> like when you're you're brewing up for a, a a fight with your your teammates or something, and you're like, "Ichigo Ichie," I the championship I, final. I don't know. I don't think so. No. <laughs> I don't think so, man. I think it's. I mean, because. Uh, I mean, for me, I just probably used it for relationships a lot. So I haven't ever been in the huddle and the, come on, guys, Ichigo Ichie, let's take advantage of the moment. But I don't know, maybe. I like that one. So, everyone, if you're liking the podcast, please leave a review and a rating on iTunes. Burke, you found an interesting stat you were telling me earlier about some chart news, which is really interesting. And Japan podcasts, uh, I think travel and society or something. Uh, we shot right to the top of the uh, podcast, podcast ratings in Japan. Uh, so that was uh, pretty surprising to see the graph and everything. And uh, hopefully that can happen a little bit more with all the support that we're getting from our listeners. 
But I didn't last very long, right? <laughs> no. Now we're back down to our regular position. I won't mention it now. But uh, hopefully, it's around mean, hundreds, yeah, hundreds, something like that. <laughs> I mean, but I think we get bounces every time we re- release a uh, a new episode. But uh, last week, especially. Hey, I've, I've been looking at like the the stats as well on our podcast, and there's some really random places where people are listening to us around the world. Estonia. Did Estonia somebody? Man, I'm I'm gonna name one that you have probably never even heard of. This isn't a country. This is a city. I'm gonna name. All right, are you ready for this? I don't know. I'm sitting down. All right. So this is um this is a place where there's one listener, one listener. All right, and the place is called Makalen Vlams Braban. I can't even say that again. Makalen <laughs> Va- Bra- Rams- Vlams Braban. Vlams Braban. Makalen Vlams Braban. One listener from that city. Wow. So if you're listening, mate, you know, or woman, please, uh, yeah, write in and say hello. You know, tell us where you're from. Where Where is that place? I don't even know where it is. No. So, yeah, you know, send a message, say hello, social media. Voices in Japan, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, uh, voiceinjapan at gmail.com. Wow, man, that's awesome. I would would be very, very curious to to find out a little bit more about that place. Right. And, uh, and yeah, we had we have some pretty good reviews. You got one there that you wouldn't mind sharing? I do, actually. Here's a, here's a review, which was written quite recently. This is by Zaxis. 366 via Apple Podcasts in Canada. Been looking for a podcast like this. Five stars. Finally, a good podcast about life in Japan. I've been looking for something like this for a while. Keep up the great work. Thank you, Zaxis. Yeah, thank you. So, yeah, keep sending us some reviews and uh, that would really help with, uh, you know, getting getting our podcast out there. Uh, hopefully people are learning you know your listeners are learning something from us and uh, hopefully we're entertaining you too yeah and it helps us to know what uh, people specifically want to hear about and uh, yeah things that uh, we could share uh, for them yeah so send us some questions if there's anything you want us to cover we'll always be happy to accept your suggestions and think about new topics to talk about and uh, yeah it'll be good to, to communicate with you guys Hope you enjoy the podcast, everyone. Thank you. Thanks. <laughs>